Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. It's IndyCar, and just before we forget, no F1 tomorrow. We are going to take our own F1 summer break and give ourselves a day, a little bit less work this week. Obviously, plenty of Nashville stuff to talk about, maybe a little bit of other news and stuff, who knows. And But I wanted to start with our, get back to our non-racing question to start off the show and so i am going to a state fair tonight i've never been to a state fair before i you know i've been to like one of those like little carnivals you know like the kitty carnivals when you're little with like the amusement rides and dumbass games and whatnot so i have a feeling i'm in way over my head just based on what i know because you know city boy has never experienced you know, cows being shown around state fair so Frenchie, does virginia or maryland or wherever you actually live have any sort of state fair type thing that is popular in your area yeah i used to go actually to the county fair yeah where i grew up in maryland so we had a county fair that would happen every summer and i think it's probably just a a miniature scale of the state fair because we had all the farm animals and everything and i'm trying to think of what else they're like bunnies that you can look at and and there are cows horses i mean there's like kind of just animal droppings everywhere and then a lot of fried foods that you would never have thought about frying yeah i've been told to try fried oreos tonight and that sounds incredible i've never had fried oreos before they had that at our county fair and i think i've tried that before they it's like it's surprisingly good for yeah i didn't think it was gonna work i've also been told to check out the world's largest pig which sounds much less exciting than fried oreos but i don't know maybe I could <laughs> how be... big is it do you know i have no idea this is with cody cody said look at the world's largest pig and like sounds really boring but i guess like to say i've done it anyway it should be interesting and thank you and thanks to frenchie for rearranging the, our schedule for a second straight day and a second straight week so I can go on a date. So, you know, and for the hard work this weekend. Only only if it goes well will I rearrange my schedule. So if it so if I text you tonight like it didn't go so well, you're like, "No, I'm not going to not not going to." Yeah, then I would do it again cuz it right. would be worth it. Right. Yeah. That's fair. I can respect that. That's actually makes it's sense. Pressure for you to succeed. Oh boy. All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> Nashville. What a weekend. It was a much hotter than we expected. I said the weather was going to be fine. It was anything but fine, essentially, all weekend. I think this is the first weekend in my racing, I don't know if you want to call it career, coverage career, that I've had two lightning delays in one weekend. I don't even think when Hickey was traveling with me a couple of times, we had two in one weekend. So yeah, we really lucked out with the weather this weekend. I'm going to rant for a minute here, and then we'll get your thoughts since it's your first time in that. It was your first time in Nashville, and this isn't so much on the track. This is the, tr- the, the layout of walking around. Nashville, the track. Probably could use some work on the layout, sure. I don't, I don't think it's unsalvageable per se but yeah i mean it needs work other we'll we'll get to the on track part in a minute here 
But walking around, trying to get from the media center, which is on the far side of the Tennessee Titans Stadium underground, to the pit lane is a 15-minute walk. If you want to go out and have lunch at Honda, it's a 25-minute walk. If you want to go to the fan zone, 20-minute walk. Everything is a hike. You have to cross over the one pedestrian bridge. I think there's actually another one now, too. It's just so badly laid out that as people who are working the event, it's really not an enjoyable time to walk around. Like it's, I don't, you know, this is the one race. I didn't bother texting anybody like, Hey, I want to say hi this weekend. (laughs) It's just, I'm sorry. If you want to see me find me in gateway because Nashville is just too chaotic to walk around. And like every day you get home or home deck to the hotel or Airbnb or whatever, and you're just like completely mentally worn out. And I've never wanted to get out of a city quicker than after, well, after a two-hour press conference at the end of Sunday than, than Nashville. So it was kind of like I Barber, before they built the media center, which is another awful location in Barber, was a tent that was kind of like right, I don't know, probably 200 yards behind Pit Lane. And it wasn't glamorous by any means. It was a little tight, but it was right there. And I'm I don't need anything fancy like a fancy media center in the Titan Stadium or anything. Just give me a tent if it's going to be hot. Pump some air into it, and just let, let us be a little bit closer so we don't have to hike miles to get something done. It's really exhausting. I don't know, and like I kind of told you beforehand, like. This track is a trek, so now that I've rambled on, what did you think of the working experience? Well, first, I feel guilty complaining about it because it's kind of a, I would say, a treat or like an honor to be able to get to cover races, but it was probably, in the racetracks that I've experienced, the worst management of just space. Nothing, like you said, was close to each other, so... In that heat, I felt really bad for the drivers. I also felt bad for the fans who didn't have anywhere to sort of have refuge. I mean, they had, what, cooling tents, a couple of them that were pretty full all weekend. But I've never sweat that much, I don't think, not working out. Like, I was, I I felt, like, (laughs) disgusting. And I I hope the people that saw me this weekend don't think that that's (laughs) what I'm normally like because I was drenched. It It was pretty gross. Yeah, and listen, thank you. The the race, the guy, the guys and gals who promote this race and work to set everything up are some of my favorite in the industry, always going out of the way to see what you need. They did try to help with some golf carts to get from you know, point A to point B in some parts, but it's it was I, like I slept a lot on Monday. I mean, it didn't help that I got back at 2.30 in the morning, but... It was it was draining. So on the track, let's let's talk about that before we talk about the actual race. And Colton Herta had an interesting, or it might have been Brian Herta, that a race will eventually lose its luster if it's all based on luck. Like you know, Colton Herta breaking a wing early and finishing fifth, Dixon having under tray damage you know, getting hit from behind and a flat tire and winning the race. And Marcus Erickson somersaulting through the air last year and winning the race. Great in the moment and, like, really cool for us to, like, see and cover. 
But at some point, they need to do something, whether it's widening that tight kind of uh, section, you know, four, five, six, seven, or whatever it is, or, you know, the bridge shots look awesome. The rest of the track, maybe they just need to widen certain points or slow down certain points because it's just, I mean, you saw that shot of all the wings on the truck afterwards. And like, yeah, okay, you know, some races are going to be a little bit more mayhem than others, but eventually this is just going to become a like kind of a laughing stock. Like it's not enjoy it's not like the craziness is fun in the moment, but I am kind of like I didn't really care for the actual racecraft of the race cuz it's all just luck, like Brian Herta said. Yeah, I think it turns into a farce if it's just this unpredictable every single time because you're not seeing necessarily the best guy winning. I mean, fortunately, the best guy, I mean, the second best all time in IndyCar and definitely the greatest of his generation, Scott Dixon, won this race. So yeah. it ended up being a deserving winner. But I mean, based on how many people were able to get their laps back in all those caution periods, you have no idea what's going on or where you're going to cycle at the end of the race. And I don't even think the strategists were able to react to most of that. It was almost, like you said, just completely based on luck. Yeah, there's there's really not much strategy involved when you have nine cautions. There's no long tire runs. There's no fuel saving. You know, you might have had a, you know, Dixon you got 50 laps on his tires. Part of that is because he's Scott Dixon. A majority of that is probably because he's Scott Dixon, but also... Without, because, like, rear downforce, which is incredible. Right. Like, he had a loose car, and he was able to somehow save the tires. So, like, I'm not taking anything away from Scott Dixon. But also, when you run 45% of the race under yellow flag, roughly, maybe a couple percentages less than that, it's also easy to save your tires at certain points. And I'm not taking... Don't want to take anything away from, from Scott Dixon. He passed Mario Andretti for second on all-time wins. But... Like, the strategy standpoint is just completely out the window. Yeah, it was something that I have never experienced before. I think it was even crazier than last year, in my opinion. I don't know. I mean... Yeah, you know the difference is, like, last year, nobody knew what to expect. Yeah. So you're just like, oh, my God, this is crazy. But maybe next year they'll figure it out. And, like, this year it was like... Oh my god, nobody figured it out. This is completely batshit insane, and we haven't figured anything out. So it was like a different type of crazy to me. I want to come back to something you said, actually, about possibly slowing down parts of the track. Yeah. I don't remember where I heard it, but probably in one of the press conference interviews that someone said, one of the drivers, that we might actually need to speed up these sections because... The, how slow those cars are going in that really tight twisty section right. it invites people just like going down the inside like you don't you don't have to try sure. that hard to just like break a little bit later yeah respect i can't listen they're the they're the experts i'm not so if speeding it up is the answer sure yeah i'm not, I'm not sure anyone knows but that yeah. was just something i remember hearing yeah no totally totally cool with that you know i feel like something has to be figured out because eventually after you know another year or two of total mayhem Will you see teams maybe pull, I don't know, like pull back and just kind of play it safe and start last and just kind of hang around? And then, like, that's not really racing. It's just, like, running hot laps and waiting for other people to crash, and then it's boring. But I guess we should talk about the actual race. Uh, Obviously, plenty of things happened. 
Alex Rossi spun like six times early and still finished fourth. So good for him to back up his win with another thing. Elio had a rough day. He finished somewhere not great. 13th. 13th. Yeah. Then we had the Carfoffel number one. <laughs> the, the caution summary just lists multiple cars. And I don't remember. So obviously Dixon was involved because he had the, the floor damage. Pato was involved because he got his gearbox knocked out of the race. Simona was involved. Dalton Kellett was involved. Will Power was involved. I think Will Power slowed to avoid something in front of him, and then Pato hit him, and then somebody hit Pato. I think it was Rahal, right? He was involved yeah, in that. Yeah, Graham, hit, Graham was involved in that. And then, so that was that. Was that. that was, you're, at that point, you're like, all right, you know, one big incident, whatever. Then we have... Devlin and Sato, and I rewatched it a couple times. I'm curious for your take. I don't know if you've rewatched it or the Devlin and, and Sato incident, and I can chat first if you need to like look at it real quick. I'll look at it again. I don't remember really seeing There were so many incidents in this race that know, I'm not even recalling. Uh, that's why I have the I, I don't always look at the IndyCar box score when we're when we're recording because I can pretty much know remember what happened to a degree, but yeah, this one you cannot. So it was almost like the Kirkwood, Malukas, and then Newgarden, Grosjean. I think it was that same section. Sato, Sato is on. I think Sato essentially just gets shoved into the wall by yeah, Devlin. That's what it looks like. And it doesn't look Devlin's like Devlin's on the inside in the corner. And yeah. He just puts looks like Sato he, in the wall now. Yeah. Make, he makes no effort to slow down or change his line. Sato wants to go after Devlin, and one of the safety workers held held him back. I really wish he didn't, because I would have loved to see a little little melee. Not that I advocate. Are you for saying that. little because they're uh, the no, two shortest no, drivers did, in this I series? Did, I did not mean to do that. No, I, as soon as I said that, I wouldn't I was mess like, with oh. Sato. I just really don't think like he seems like somebody who probably is way stronger than his size. Yeah. would tell you he is. Yeah. A hundred percent. Devlin, Devlin boxes, so I don't. I don't think that would go well for either of them. But. <laughs> it'd be a, it'd be a good match, yeah. but yeah. Listen, I don't really like you know how like NASCAR has fights all the time and whatnot. But I think in this case, <laughs> would have been the perfect cherry on top of this event. Exactly, exactly. So I don't think there was a penalty called on that one. No, there was not. There, the penalty situation in this race was mind boggling. I mean, it's kind of consistent with what we've seen all season of, like, obvious penalties aren't called. But there were some, like, with the Kirkwood-Malukas incident that I'm sure we're going to get to, that was, yep, I just didn't understand. Yep, yep. I think that's, that is next on my caution summary list. And, mind you, because this race was a total crapshoot, it's hard to talk about a lot of what actually happened because it was just luck and good driving by... Scott Dixon and Scott McLaughlin to go from fifteenth oh, to yeah. second. So you know, shout out to that. But and Lundgaard looked really good for a while too until he fell back yeah, towards the he, end. I think he had some sort of issue or something because all, all of a sudden on the radio he was like, "I can't keep up." I'm like, "Okay, well, you know, still still good for him to finish eighth, and he's got a, a little bit of a cushion now. I think like forty points on on co-host Malukas on <laughs> Rookie of the Year. That being said. Kyle Kirkwood and David Malukas. To me, I, I get why guys make the move there on the on the left or on the inside. Totally get attempting to make the move. 
But when you make the move, like the the big difference to me between this incident and the New Garden incident is New Garden was fully alongside of Grosjean and had the inside line. And yeah, he he gives Grosjean the rough treatment and runs him out of room. Can't can't argue that one. Kirkwood goes super late on the brakes, kind of taps the the wall on the left, and then sends him and Malukas into the outside wall on the right. I have said to you, Frenchie, many times, like, Kyle Kirkwood will put it together. Like, it's okay. He's a talented driver. He's had a rough three months now, and it's definitely concerning that I, I think he's trying way too hard. I think he just needs to relax like early in the year when nobody expected anything from Kyle Kirkwood. Just go out and nobody expect just just go out and drive. Cuz I think he's a talented kid, but he 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 made a big mistake on this one. And my second point, let, let's before we talk about race control. Let's talk about Grosjean and Grosjean and, and New Garden. Coming up on 5 Minute News. I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the checkered flag. Any thoughts on that? I think that move, Joseph gave... Grosjean the option to if he wanted to back out he could have still made that corner whereas if I'm looking at the Kirkwood Malukas incident I think just how deep Kirkwood sent it in there and there really wasn't space for his car um, I don't even know if he would have made it through the corner on his own had Malukas not been there yeah it was a weird angle so that's what I think is completely different is Newgarden was making what I consider to be a legitimate pass and Grosjean had a choice to make of whether he backs out. And of course, he's not going to back out. So, you know, what ended up happening, I think, is a racing incident. And it's on both of them. Majority on Joseph, obviously. But, yeah, you know, when you're Grosjean, I think, unfortunately, this is how people are going to race you because of the way that you've come across in the paddock and the way you've raced other people. We've seen how rough he's been. And I don't think anybody's given him the benefit of the doubt. They're just going to send it when they see a space. 
Yeah, and I think judging by Newgarden's comments afterwards and Marcus Erickson said something, Colton Hurd of kind of said kind of said something. You know, this isn't just like Graham Ray Hall or Alex Rossi has a problem with Grosjean. It's a lot of people, and there are other drivers who have told you and I, yeah, it's tough. He's kind of a jerk to race against. So there's clearly no respect given, so he's not going to get respect when on these benefit-of-the-doubt sort of situations here. You know, he's going to get raced hard. So he's got to, like, he's got to deal with it. You know, stop throwing your helmet against the ground when, when you're walking to the safety car. Like, you can be angry. It's okay, like. It's all right to be frustrated that that you you know wrecked out or got wrecked, whatever you want to call it. New Garden was definitely in in rare form Sunday night on social media. Yeah, that was quite a scene. But he he's usually not someone you would consider no. to be a dirty or aggressive driver either. Yeah. So this was, I think, a rare moment, and people are just reacting very intensely to what they saw because he's like the happiest go luckiest seaman guy. Yeah. You know, not Elio level, but. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of a, I would say, pretty, take, doesn't take himself too seriously. And he was going off on Sunday night. I mean, maybe it's the heat. Heat makes people cranky, made us yeah. cranky. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But it was just not, I don't think, he didn't want to be there. I don't think he understood why he was so far down when he had speed. And it just didn't go his way when, when he's in the championship hunt. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about race control. All year, we've preached, as long as they're consistent, it's totally fine. I get it. You know, Whether they call penalties or don't call penalties, you know, consistency is key. So Kirkwood and Malukas have their incident. I am walking back to the media center, or I think I had just gotten into the media center post-race. And David Malukas has gotten an avoidable contact penalty for his incident with Kyle Kirkwood. And I, so, listen, I know I'm not the smartest person in the media room, so I went to Steve Wittick, who was to our left, who went to Nathan Brown, and I was like, what, did I, did I miss something? And neither of them had, could understand it either. How in the hell is David Belukas supposed to avoid contact there? It makes absolutely no sense. He got, and in the grand scheme of things, he drops from 18th to 19th. Not a huge deal. And so, you know, the the punishment is not what I'm angry about. But it's how does race control determine that is avoidable? If that's avoidable contact, then Grosjean should get avoidable contact for getting raced hard by Newgarden. But he didn't. And there was no avoidable contact penalties. Let me, let me go. Sato, too. Yeah, Sato should have gotten one. Let me look at the penalties here. That those were the only avoidable contact penalties. There was a couple Colton of jumps in the incident with with uh, Dalton. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're the guy on the outside is getting the penalty and go like for going into the wall, then that those are who's getting penalties. So how how do you determine? Uh, uh, Jack Harvey got one on the last lap of the race, lap eighty. I don't, I don't even remember seeing that. Yeah, I don't think we saw it. And so he got dropped from from ninth to tenth, you know, whatever. But I, in, so in either of those cases, how do you determine that that's avoidable contact, but nothing else that happened in the shit show of the first seventy eight laps 
or when when did when did Malukas crash? In the first sixty two laps was not avoidable contact. It just makes no. This is so off the wall and not consistent with anything they've done this year. It's just so frustrating. And I know we might we might be a little biased in this case, but I would be this frustrated regardless of who is involved because it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the lack of logic behind it is pretty infuriating. I, I can't even imagine how Malukas feels about it. I'm sure he won't really be able to tell us because he's a diplomatic guy. But yeah, I, I don't know what's going on here because I think the lack of penalties and then this weird kind of blaming who I would consider to be the victim in this case, is almost inviting guys to race really, really hard and yeah. just opens it up because you know that you're not going to be the one to get a penalty. They're not even going to call something or they're going to call the victim. Yeah, it's just so frustrating how you know maybe race control hasn't been as consistent and now I'm just realizing it, but I, I don't necessarily think that's the case, but... It's super. It's it's really frustrating, and it's very unfortunate. Malukas has been hosed by race control a couple times this year already. So, yes, I have not even attempted to talk to him about that in the little I've talked to him since the race ended because I don't need to. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Pour any salt into the wounds, but yeah, touchy subject maybe. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Uh, before we continue, I forgot to do this at the beginning of the episode. So when you are as tired and cranky as we are after Nashville, make sure you get your coffee from Java House. Yes. JavaHouse.com. If you are not in the Indy area, they have a couple locations in Indy, including downtown, Carmel, and Broad Ripple. I feel like there's a fourth location, but I could be wrong. And so, yeah, if you can't go, go to JavaHouse.com. Use promo code PITLANE10 for 10% off the order. There's a bunch of orders that came in this weekend, so thank you to whoever you may be who are placing orders. Your support is appreciated, and the coffee is fantastic. And, yeah, so we have any news? Um, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we, before we get to the news, predictions. Yeah, I have those right here. Okay, go ahead. So it was a dismal weekend for both of us, just because I think the <laughs> I chaos figured. was impossible to... Um, react to or just predict what was going to happen. So let's see. I had my picks were McLaughlin, who finished second, Malukas, who unfortunately finished 20th, and then Felix, who finished seventh. So my average finish was a 9.6. And you had Award, who unfortunately looked really fast all weekend and is probably out of the championship at this point, but finished 24th. Herda, who finished fifth magically. As Connor Daly would say, it was like a wizard kind of drive right there <laughs> and lastly you had i lot who finished 15th so your average finish was a 14.6 which i wouldn't say is that bad given how chaotic this race was yeah i knew when Pato got hit early i remembered i hadn't picked i'm like oh this is gonna be a rough one and yeah so oh before we get to news i guess we should do another sponsor read and i don't have the thing handy so go to athleticgreens.com slash emerging to get your five free travel packs of athletic greens travel packs instead of doing what i do (laughs) yeah yeah go on there and order it and a year's supply of vitamin d take control of your health 
and buy Athletic Greens. It's very good tasting. I had the stuff that you left. I mixed it in with some, actually some sugar-free lemonade, which was oh yeah, pretty good. And it's endorsed. It mixes by, well with stuff. Yeah, it, it does. Really does. It really does. It's endorsed by athletes like Lewis Hamilton. No, uh, you know, no artificial flavoring or colorings in it. It is all natural. It is vegan and keto and all the other fun uh, diets that you may or may not subscribe to. So, athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Check Adaptogen. It out. Adaptogens. That word. Yeah, adaptogens. Yeah. I don't know what that word, that word in there. means still, but adaptogens, yes. Probably contractually obligated to say that. Science. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, news-wise. So, there's not really that much, I think, in the news except that, number one... Um, Simona Di Silvestro and Peretta, what do they call Peretta Autosport, will be back actually for a fourth race this season at the season finale at awesome. Laguna. Yeah. So, which is pretty cool. They have not announced who their title sponsor will be. And unfortunately, this weekend did not go so well for Simona, but hopefully, Laguna will be a better way to close out the season. I'm looking forward to seeing what they are able to put together for 2023 and beyond. Yeah, and speaking of Laguna, there's a strong chance I may not go just because of how insanely expensive flights are still. Oh, yeah. But if not, we are going to host a viewing party here, and friend of the show, Sawyer Sparks, is organizing it, and I'm just going to help promote it. So I may I may end up doing that so I, I don't have to go west for five days. And... Yeah, so more to come on that. Even if I end up in Laguna, I'll still share details of the watch party. It'll be at some bar in the Indy area. That's about as much as I know on that one, so I literally cannot comment anymore. You've got time. It's on September 11th. We're like a month away. Yeah, yeah. So I guess there's... There's Pillow update, but... Yeah, it's going through the legal system. It looks like even more of a kerfuffle than it did it's supposed to be maybe meeting for a mediation either today or tomorrow so it may be resolved through this mediation i don't know how confident i feel about that but it's kind of good that at least the two parties are willing to go through the mediation we saw chip actually i don't know i don't know what he did pat him on the back and actually say something to alex below for the first time since about what was it june middle of june july 12th june july 12th, something okay like so that, it was yeah. like a month yeah that they yeah. hadn't really spoken so that's a good sign. I mean, I don't really think he's going to be back in that car, but maybe the situation is getting a little bit less contentious or hostile. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to try to be optimistic here, yeah. but we just don't know what's going on. I mean, it's I, incredible how Pillow can just continue to pull out good results while this stuff's going on because he just compartmentalizes it somehow and just goes out there and does his job. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's had a heck of a run right now, and I keep saying, like, one bad result and he might you know, have a little bit of a mental lashing out sort of thing, but he keeps proving good results, top fives, top, you know, podium and whatnot. And yeah, he held it together pretty well through some tough press conference questions where people were trying to yeah, eke like answers out of him yeah. that weren't going to be answered. So, you know, good for him for, for hanging tough and he's not a dumb guy by any means. So no there's no. a method to all this that's going on as much as we don't see it yes. i don't think he's just going out on a limb for no reason no he's de he definitely knows what he's doing i'm 100 percent convinced 
It might be, you know, borderline arrogant, but I know he knows yeah. what he's doing. Yeah, agreed. So I don't, I think, I guess that's it. We don't really have, we'll, we'll save. There's Formula no E finales this weekend. Formula that's all, E. That's races going on. It's what in time's Seoul, that? At like midnight or 1 a.m. or something? I have not looked at the times yet. Um, I also know that there's like major flooding going on in Seoul right now. Right. So I don't know if that's going to impact the finale at all. So Hopefully we might have speedboat finale instead of Formula E. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous how much water I've seen in some of the Formula E drivers' Instagram posts. Yeah, I think you sent me one of those, didn't you? I think I did, yeah. Because yeah. it looked like there was a river flowing down the street. Like, it was probably three-ish feet of water on, like, a city street. So if it's in Seoul, Formula E... That's got to be almost... 24 hours ahead or something i don't know 18 hours yeah i am pulling i'm on the formula e website right now not the easiest to navigate no offense to them but no their website is website really is awful where to watch so it looks like qualifying is saturday at 11 40 p.m no i'm sorry okay. 2 2 40 2 40 a.m okay and the race is at 7 a.m. Saturday? Oh, I mean, if you're an early riser, you can catch that. But I'm going to record it and watch Same it. Same on Sunday. Yeah, I'm not waking up at 7 a.m. This is, is it on CBS or CBS Sports? Uh, the website doesn't really doesn't really tell. Let me click on this yeah, little I TV wish, button. I wish we could tell you guys. Yeah, this this is this is real-time real time research. Okay, here we go. CBS HQ qualifying oh eastern time all right so ignore those times from before looks looks like it's a little cbs online i don't it's very late in the night or very early in the morning epre 2 30 a.m to 4 a.m yikes is the thing listed as epre so not 7 a.m i don't know it's very very I will not be awake. I will definitely be recording that one. Yeah. It's the only racing that I know of that's going on this yeah. weekend. I mean, I'm sure someone will tell us that there's like an obscure sports car series going on and <laughs> get really angry at us because there seems to be a certain group of people that like to do that. But, you know, well, sorry to offend you by not realizing that those races, there's only so much we can pay attention to and cover. I'm sorry. We love know, IMSA, but in order to be professional, I also won't look at my phone at all this weekend. I'm just, you know, not uh, going to look at my phone once yeah all I mean, weekend yeah the fact that you would ever think to do mm-hmm. that in the middle of your professional duties is mm. crazy just, yeah it's so it look, such a bad look yeah i'm sorry it totally yeah. ruins our image gonna have to retire now and on that note we should probably wrap it up before we completely spiral off the rails here frenchie my date says thank you for rearranging the schedule she wholeheartedly appreciates it almost word for word what she said so Glad I could be of service. Thank you. (laughs) And I will report back on my state fair findings next week. Next week, we'll be previewing Gateway and what should be a busy weekend in St. Louis, Friday and Saturday. So, yeah, everybody have a lovely weekend of racing if you watch it. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, 
just beginning or have never even heard of paddle or padel, as it's called in North America. This is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. ¡Vamos! Vamos!